Rodney Clark holds the all-time scoring record in Oklahoma high school basketball with over 3,700 points, all scored at Verdigris High School. Basketball was everything for Rodney, who dreamed of playing in the NBA one day. That dream was never realized. But what was, was Rodney's faith in God and his purpose shifting from ball player to servant of God, husband, and father. This is the inspirational story of one of the most ballyhooed ball players in Oklahoma history, Rodney Clark. I started by asking him about where he was born. So, yeah, I actually was born um, in Fairfax, Missouri, actually, and uh, in 1989. And then my parents, they had me when they were really young, and we kind of just moved around from spot to spot. My dad, my uh, my dad, pretty much. You know, I, I think all the way up until my my, which is crazy. I always talk about this still, but all the way up until I was a freshman in high school, I don't think I stayed somewhere in a city more than two years. And I was just constantly, my parents were constantly moving. I was moving with them. And a lot of it was because we were following my uncle at that point. And, you know, my mom was a teacher. My dad was kind of his assistant coach. And so we just kind of bounced around for all the way up until, you know, I kind of stuck there and at Vertigris for yeah. my high school career. Now, did you spend some time in Texas and Oklahoma? I did, yeah. So I only spent one year in Texas, but my um, – I originally thought my, Kelly, my uncle, had gotten a job at Denison, Texas. And, you know, I was in eighth grade at that point. So I thought, you know, next year being my freshman year, I'm a, I would go there and kind of get acclimated. And I knew I was going to be playing for him probably. And so we went there and, and actually had a great time there, a great year there, played basketball there, and actually, you know, was played for Team Texas on the summer circuit, which helped me a lot with exposure, um, being on that team, a Nike, a Nike sponsored team. And, um, but we moved back after that one year, and that's when Kelly moved to Burdigers. So are you only child? I have one sister. Okay, Kathy. now, older or younger? Yep. When you went off to college to Arkansas originally, so being uh, a couple years behind you, did she follow you to Arkansas to go to college? Yeah, it was kind of a kind of a weird ordeal. So, um, so I moved – I had initially, you know, committed to Arkansas and – I was down in Arkansas for the for the whole summer for the for my summer first summer sessions of college and you know trying to get a head start and being ready to play as a freshman and it ended up happening. Vertigris, um had just started a volleyball program at that point and she my sister had kind of decided well I'm going to try and play college volleyball and my parents ended up you know trying to looking around at some different schools to, that would maybe prep her more for college volleyball at that point. And um, Fayetteville High School was actually the high school that's in the, you know, Fayetteville where the University of Arkansas is, Mm -hmm. has a very, very good volleyball program. And they had a coach that had played at the University of Arkansas. My sister actually moved to Fayetteville High School for her senior year, played there and uh, played basketball there and actually won a state championship and then ended up going to, that's when she ended up, you know, I was already there, so. She got, a, she got an offer from Arkansas, and then we both ended up there for two years. That's awesome. Three years for me, two years for her. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's 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 back up a little bit here, too, because I forgot I read this. So your dad named you after Rodney Anderson, the uh, former Oklahoma <laughs> yeah. Sooner running back. Is that right? He did. He did. That's correct. <laughs> now, did he have a personal relationship with Rodney? No, he did. I don't think he had a personal relationship. My my family on my dad's side has always been uh, really big OU Sooner football fans. Okay. 
And um, I think I think he just liked the name, like it was different, unique, obviously, and he obviously liked him as a player and liked OU football. So I think it just that's just where he got it. Oh, <laughs> that's what he wanted to do. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you guys are going to have yeah. some heated meetings here once Oklahoma actually gets into the SEC and starts playing Arkansas yeah, yeah. every year. Yeah, That'll be sure. interesting. You had mentioned, you know, moving. Uh, you spent a year in Texas, and and obviously basketball became you know, the sport for you. But when you were in high school, did you play anything besides basketball, especially at Vertigris? No, at Vertigris, I did not. So I, I, um, I think I, I, play, I played baseball all the way up until seventh grade. And honestly, I, my, all of the baseball coaches at that point in my summer teams that I was playing with were begging me to quit basketball and focus on baseball because I think I was better at baseball probably, but it just wasn't the sport for me. Like it just didn't interest me like basketball did. And uh, so I quit. I quit baseball in the seventh grade and just focused solely on basketball. And um, so yeah, that's all I played through the high, for, through high school. And then you know, Ver, the Vertigris baseball coaches would try to get me to come out for the team every year, but I just you know I was I was too focused and hooked on basketball at that point. By then, your your path was certainly set in front of you. Let me ask you about growing right. growing up in the Clark household. I know mm-hmm. that you're a Christian. Was that yes. the case with your parents? Did you grow up in a Christian household? It, yes, I did. Really, it's my, I'd say my dad's side, really, my mom's side as well. But my dad's side is very, uh, very open about their faith. Very, you know, they've been strong Christians from my dad's parents to his parents, you know, all the way down the line. And he got there. My parents are what kind of taught me. Um, for me, you know, I had realized that once I realized I had a gift with basketball, I had an opportunity to glorify God with that gift because I, I had that gift from him. And and so I kind of, they kind of instilled that in me. And then once I started actually understanding it more and more, I became very um, open about my faith. You know, I was trying to use it as a platform to, you know, basketball as a platform to try and reach people and be a good example and just be a, just to be a leader, just to, to glorify God in those ways. When do you think it really sunk in being, you know, devoting your life to Christ? So I, I got saved at a young age, um, but I was, I would say that I was more just, just not wanting to. I didn't understand completely, comprehend and understand what I, you know, what I was doing with my decision there, and and kind of just was afraid to go to hell and and wanted to go to heaven and wanted to make sure that I didn't go to hell and and you know I would my parents joke about it all the time every every Sunday you know they do the the call at the end to you know for people who want to be saved to to accept Jesus into their heart and I would be the one every single Sunday raising my hand over and over again <laughs> so my parents finally had to say hey it's you know it's a it's a one time thing like you you know it's you don't have to do this every Sunday and to to where you know I finally started under like I said like probably as I was getting older you know 12 13 try, starting to get into junior high like where I could really understand what I was doing the decisions I was making kind of making those decisions for myself and understanding what it meant. And, um, you know, I'd rededicated myself and, you know, I just recently, um, uh, rededicated myself and got baptized recently. I got baptized at a young age as well and didn't really, you know, understand what I was doing. Honestly, I just kind of went through the class with my, with my friends and, and didn't really understand it as a young age. And it kind of just honestly hit God was speaking in my heart this past summer. And I just thought, Hey, you know, I rededicated myself once I realized I, I wanted to accept Jesus as my Savior, and now I want to do this again when I know what it really is and, and 
you know, be the man that I want to be and be a godly man. And so I, I just got recently just got baptized again this summer. So that was a pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. For me, for my kids to see that. Yep. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to talk yep. about those kids here in a little bit as well. And I, I'll tell you, I did the yeah. same thing. Mine was a little bit uh, quicker, but I was baptized at uh, what sixth grade. And then by the time I was a, mm-hmm. a senior in high school, I kind of figured some things out yeah. and thought, you know what, I need to right. do this again and do it with a, a different mindset. So let's let's talk right. about your dad yeah. and, and your mom getting the, the coaching job at uh, Vertigris. Now, was your dad then the varsity boys basketball coach? Did you play for him? So, no, so I played for my uncle. My uncle was the okay. head, uh, varsity coach, and my dad was uh, the assistant. Okay. And then my mom kind of just got, you know, where when we – she just got a teaching job at the school. So – uh, my dad was the assistant. My dad, my actually, my dad, my sophomore year, I think after my sophomore year, he took the director of basketball operations job at ORU and was there for a year and then um, kind of bounced back and forth, you know, helping out with the team and helping my uncle out with the basketball and going back and forth. So, yeah. So you, you started off as a freshman playing varsity at Vertigris mm-hmm. and had obviously a pretty good season averaging – over 20 points a game by the time your sophomore season rolled around you had increased that to scoring what 34 points a game and then you were pretty well locked in from that point on <laughs> when did the the scoring record ever even enter the picture for you and for those folks who don't know um yeah we'll get to that but Rodney Clark is the all-time leader in in uh, boys basketball in the state of Oklahoma over uh, 3700 points scored and in fact, I looked it up, Rodney. That's also the you're number twenty one all time in high boys high school basketball in scoring as well with that thirty seven fifty eight. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Well, the number one guy. This is what's crazy. A guy uh, from Noble, California, back in the late sixties. He actually ended mm-hmm. up uh, with six thousand seven hundred points in <laughs> in high school. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So when did maybe, you know, looking at that scoring record actually enter the picture for you? Yeah, so I just remember, I, I remember vividly, actually, after my sophomore year, someone in the Claremore, it was the Claremore Daily Progress. Is, I don't even know if it exists anymore. It was the newspaper uh, firm there with uh, with Claremore, and someone brought up the story and said, uh you know, he averaged 34 as a sophomore, like if he keeps this on pace and then adds, you know, you know, whatever I had to add to get these last two years. As If I made as much of a jump as I made from my freshman and my sophomore and kept getting better, they obviously, I could I could get the record. And at that point, I've, I've read it, and I, it honestly didn't really hit hit me very hard at home. And, like, I just kind of was like, oh, that's cool, but – I, I really didn't think much of it. Like I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to go for that this next two years. Like there's, I didn't really think that, think through it honestly until probably after my junior year when I had made a bump again, and then everyone, you know, kind of that time everyone was talking about it, kind of. So, yeah, at first it didn't really didn't really register to me what, that it would be possible, honestly. I actually broadcast one of your games your senior year. We did your game against Nowata, and I was I did the play-by-play here on the Sports Animal for that game. Yeah. So you went from 32 points a game your sophomore year to 37 points a game your junior year. But things started to happen in that junior season. Uh, <laughs> I, I need you to confirm this, that you were getting so popular, I guess, that 
you were really starting to take a lot of abuse verbally from visiting crowds. And then, of course, on, oh, yeah. the, on the court, you know, teams were coming at, at you physically. Yes. That's, yeah, that's definitely a fact. Um, and, I, you know, it was, it was weird because I was never um, – I didn't really bring any of that on. Like, it was – I wasn't – I was never one to talk any trash or, you know, I tried to keep myself as humble as I possibly could and carry myself in the right way. So it wasn't like I was taunting people or taunting – fans or whatever the case was I was just playing the game the way I knew how to play it and I think that it was a mixture of you know we were one of the best teams in the conference or one of the best teams around the area and we were ranked so high at the same at the same time and then the record was thrown in there maybe I don't know maybe they just I don't know it just whatever happened happened and they just I did take a lot of I remember taking a lot of dirty hits that year and especially toward the end of the season there and didn't you know just tried to carry myself in the right way and and just uh react in the right ways and and uh just be humble through it all but yeah there was some crazy stuff i mean there was student sections chanting about my sister like saying just absurd things like just things you would never want to repeat like about my sister and about my family and just just some crazy stuff i think one of those games we were actually think we were playing no water but it was it was at no water and the team ended up, they ended up getting like seven technical fouls that game. Like wow. it was just absolute. Oh, we almost, we almost had to stop the game because it was just, it was so crazy. <laughs> Fans were getting thrown out. Like players were getting, it was just, just a crazy, just a mess. <laughs> when did the letters start rolling in Rodney uh, from colleges around the country? Yeah. So that happened. So I, I had a great freshman year, but didn't get any, really any interest after my freshman year. Um, except one Tulsa University was the only letter I had after my freshman year because you know I was still five four five five. It was little bitty, had no weight on me. Like you know, I could, I was a pretty good player, but just wasn't big enough. wasn't There was a lot of things I was missing at that point. And um, I remember going after my freshman year. I went to a a uh, tournament in the summer and with team Texas, it was a Nike sponsored team and they gave me the opportunity. It was the last term of the year to play up with juniors and seniors because they didn't have enough guys. And I was like, whatever, fine. It's one, one more tournament. I'm kind of burnt out for the summer, but it's one more tournament. I'll go try it out and just, you know, play with some, get some good exposure with some playing with some older guys getting ready for the year. And it ended up being, you know, it was kind of a God thing. Like we, we got there and we ended up playing the number one team in the country at that time. And they had this just loaded with talent and every college coach in the country was there watching the game. We had seven or eight guys. So I almost played the whole game. I ended up with maybe 40, 45 points was just hitting (laughs) everything I shot. And, you know, no one had heard of me. No one knew who I was really at that point. And then after that, it just, that's when it just started getting wild. And it was just kind of a, just kind of overwhelming and just kind of shock, like just all the letters I was getting from these different schools. And I remember walking out in the parking lot after the tournament, and it was just my mom and me at the tournament. My dad couldn't go for some reason. And coach, coaches were, at that point, it was illegal, but they were running to my mom, giving them their cards, like trying, you know, at that point, <laughs> my name was kind of on the <laughs> kind uh-huh. of on the radar. So that was pretty cool. Well, and obviously your next year and then your senior year, all that would do would be to solidify in those coaches' minds, just how good a player you had become. And your senior year, 
boy, what a battle. You and, and Keaton Page, who, who was at Pawnee yeah. High School, you guys yeah. both battling for that uh, that scoring title, and you even, you even met up against each other that year. And we did. He got, he got, that's my, actually Keaton Page is my childhood best friend. Like we're still best friends to this day, best men at each other's weddings. Um, cool. but yeah, it was fun. Like a lot of people made it out or wanted us to be like these villains through it all. But honestly, it was, we were talking to each other throughout the year. Like I remember one game he had, he ended up with like 61 and I called him. I was like, that's crazy. Like, how, how does that feel to have 61? And then, like, a week later, I had 65, and he, he calls me. <laughs> and we're just, we're just, bet, we're just, you know, trying to beat each other, you know, just talking through it and just how crazy is this? Like, just, it's a, it was just an awesome experience. It was a blessing to be a part of, like, through that whole process and being able to just experience that. All right. So, to this point, everything you know, other than the insults that were hurled at you, you know, when you were playing uh, on the road uh, during high school, had you encountered anything really heavy yet? Honestly, not not much. I mean, the only thing that I, you know, that I kind of had a chip on my shoulder about, like I had had a pretty pretty smooth process through, you know, up and through high school. And I think the point for me was just I had a chip on my shoulder just because even though I had all these colleges you know, recruiting me, I still felt like people were doubting me. Like once I got there, there's no way I'm going to play. You know, I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not athletic enough. You know, going to the SEC, there's no chance. Like that's known as an athletic conference. Like there was just kind of had this chip on my shoulder this whole time wanting to prove people wrong because even though I did have these offers and all this attention, like it's still, people were still doubting me. So I, I think that's the only kind of adversity in my mind that I was going through, but it helped me and motivated me, but other than that, it was pretty pretty smooth, pretty smooth trans- transition with everything. How did you arrive at the decision to go to Arkansas? Because I mean, you had offers from everywhere: Kansas, Kentucky, Memphis, all the blue bloods, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Yeah. You mentioned Tulsa already, Gonzaga, all over the country. But you chose Arkansas. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I think for me, um, I, I would like to say I was pretty mature, like beyond beyond my years at that point. I prayed through and really tried to get a piece about every decision, every visit that I had, every coach that I was talking to. I felt like I was could read, you know, whether people were being honest or whether they weren't. I was trying to just, you know, kind of discern all this information. And I, what it came down to for me is, yeah, I could go play. I could go, you know, take an offer from a Kentucky or a Kansas or somewhere like that, like a blue blood. But would I play my freshman year? Would I have an opportunity to do that with all the talent that they have? Maybe I could – play a significant role in my sophomore or junior year possibly but I wanted to be able to step in and have a chance to play immediately and be a factor immediately for for a team and I think Arkansas was the situation that I knew I had that chance and I felt like the coaches were being honest with me about my chances in playing as a freshman and I had family also there my grandma lived there my uncle lived there so I had kind of that and it wasn't too far from home but it was just far enough to kind of get my own space, which my, my parents and Cassie, my sister, ended up moving there anyways. But, um, yeah, so I, I felt like that was my best option to be able to to play as a freshman and, and be a factor for a team and make an impact. So your coach that recruited you, uh, John Pelfrey, gets fired mm-hmm. uh, after the 2010-2011 yes. season, and um, that's when you asked for a release from your scholarship and and what I read, you really did some homework here to figure out, do I want to play for this guy and would I fit 
into what he is trying to do, and, and you came to the conclusion that you couldn't. You know, people who have asked me questions on radio shows and things with, of what happened, you know, especially in Arkansas, of what happened, why did, why did I choose to do what I did, and I always tell them it was a lot harder, honestly, for me because, honestly, social media also at that point wasn't really a factor. Like, I had Facebook, but I didn't have it. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram, nothing like and I couldn't really, there was a lot of fans that I felt like I had connections with that I had made, you know, I had made a connection with the state of Arkansas and I couldn't really explain. And I wanted to kind of what's going on. Hey, this is what's going on. Like, uh, it's, this isn't a selfish thing. Like I'm just trying to, I, and sometimes I, you have to be like, try and do the, what's best for you. But um, I think there was numerous factors. I mean, I, he, uh, he had never recruited me coming out of high school. Like I'd never got a call from them from anybody on the staff and I had done research about how he wanted to play, like what the, what the situation was. And we had had chats and conversations and, you know, I had told him, okay, well, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to try a month or two here in the summer. And then I'm not feeling it. I'll be honest and, and let you know. And uh, I tried doing that because I didn't want to just, just quit right away. I wanted to at least give it a shot. And just, we just didn't click it just whatever, for whatever, all the reasons we just didn't click and ended up, you know, going in there and asking for my release, and that kind of that kind of got messy too. But ended up being okay. So go to Butler and make that decision mm-hmm. to transfer there. Uh, and, but you find yeah. out. I mean, you had been complaining, I guess, of of some issues with your ankles, and and I guess at Arkansas <laughs> yeah. they really couldn't or or wouldn't do enough testing to figure out what was going on. But they figured right. out what was happening at Butler, and that was the first of two medical issues that you would run into at Butler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was honestly a blessing in disguise. And I realized that right when I got to Butler is, you know, I, like you said, I did have all this pain in my ankles, um, at Arkansas you know, they were treating me, they were doing everything. I felt like they were doing everything they could, but I was like, there's gotta be something here. Like I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm pretty high pain tolerance guy. Like I'm pretty tough guy. Like I'm not, there's something going on. Like I'm not just having soreness here. Like this is something else. And we'd ice, and I'd ice constantly, and they took me in for scans and stuff. But like I said, I don't know if it was they couldn't or if they wouldn't or what the situation was. But I had one trainer and a doctor right when I got there, you know, not too long after we started practice and stuff. And he looked at the way my bones were in my ankle just by me standing there, and he said, you have a tarsal coalition. And I was like, oh, what? And he explained it and had two bones. I had a bone in each ankle that wasn't supposed to be there that was causing all this inflammation and all this pain and stiffness and which was a honestly they they handled it great and Brad Stevens handled it great because you know I had just transferred there and they're expecting me to be you know I'm fully healthy I'm I'm great and then they hear oh well, he's gonna have to have a surgery right away the second he gets here pretty much and I was sitting out that year anyways but they handled it really well and said hey you need to do what's best for you and, and get this done and, and come back 100 percent was the recovery and got that taken care of and and uh, like I said a blessing in disguise I'm glad because now I that changed my life because now I'm I'm able to they had told me if I didn't get that taken care of I wouldn't be able to do certain things with my kids at some point like I, it, I just wouldn't be able to, to walk barely with how much pain I would have been in so it was a huge blessing to be able to get get that one taken care of, and then, yeah, the the neck scare and the 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 hit I took the next year when I was actually playing was a pretty crazy situation. Well, and let's talk about that for just a second. But leading into that, after the surgery on your ankles, I read where 
you figured out that there is there there is life after basketball. That your that right. basketball isn't the center of your life. That God is in the center. Right. It has put everything in perspective for me. And you know, basketball had been. You know, I was a strong Christian. My faith was the most important thing to me. But I don't think I'd ever been hit so hard that to where I really had to think of what the things I was thinking about at the time when I was hurt. You know, I did both ankles at the same time. So I'm in a wheelchair for almost three, four or five weeks trying to heal up from this. And, you know, I'm crawling my, my bat, my apartment was on the second floor. I'm crawling up the stairs, army crawling. And yeah, that's when I realized that the lowest point that I was, that I'd probably ever been at in my life, you know, this basketball is, is nothing compared to my walk and my relationship with Christ. And, you know, just once again, another blessing just <laughs> just helped me through that, and it motivated me going into the next year. Like you said, and when I got that that hit and scared, I could honestly I thought I was going to be paralyzed. Like I couldn't feel my body for a couple minutes, and pretty scary situation. But at the same time, you know, it's it's you realize in life that, that you see that perspective, and you go through things, a little adversity, and and you know that there's other things important. They're way more, more, more important than sports. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. you met your wife while at Arkansas, right? I did. And when did you guys yes. get married? We got married right after uh, my rookie year overseas professionally. So I played, I graduated from Butler, and she actually um, finished up dental hygiene school while I was playing in Australia. And the, sec- the, the summer I got back after my rookie year was the year we got married. So 2014. And now you have three kids? We have three kids. Yes, sir. I have my oldest is, her name is Kaya. She's a, a girl and she is six years old. Okay. And then I have my, my middle is a boy. His name is Dre. He is about to turn five next month. So he's four right now. And then I, my youngest his name is Cannon and he's a boy and uh, he's three. Okay. So we have a six, a four, and a three. <laughs> so they're pretty close in age, yes. And everybody, around here. yeah, everybody's got their hands full, no doubt. Let's, oh, yeah. Let's go back to after Butler. It's time to maybe go to the NBA. The 2013 draft rolls around, and Rodney Clark's name is not called. What happens then? So I had gone through, um, I had thought about what I was going to do, what move I was going to make. I had actually... You know, I went through an agent. I hired hired an agent and kind of went through the same process like I went through of choosing a school for basketball. You know, I I listened to seven or eight guys present to me, you know, their presentations on why they thought they would be good for me, a good fit. And so I hired my agent, and I I could have went the G League route, or I could have went and, you know, played somewhere overseas. And I had numerous offers overseas. I definitely could have been with the team in the G League for sure. There were a lot of teams that wanted me to play. But um, at that point, honestly, I knew I was about to get married, and I had I had no money at all. And the G League really is not the place you want to go unless you're for sure going to get a call-up or whatever the situation is. So I took, I took more money and took the overseas route. I played in Australia, so it was my first year. It was going to be comfortable because it was the English-speaking country, obviously, or continent. It was a very comfortable situation for me. I ended up having a really good year, won the MVP that year, and came back. So um, I think that's one, maybe one regret that I have throughout my career that I've told people is maybe 
just not given that that first year, that first shot in the G League to try and when I was younger to try and get a call up or try and play well and, and get noticed right away with my name being hot out of college kind of. So I think that's one thing I regret going through and, not, and looking back at it. Walk us through the next few years then after Australia because it seems like you were at multiple places, and more more places or at least playing for more teams than years. So um, I, my first year I, w- I was in Australia, so they offered me back. Uh, didn't want to go back there. I wanted to be able to try and make my name over in Europe because that's where you can make you know a, a lot of money playing the game overseas is in Europe throughout the Europe connections and so I, I went from Australia my first year, went back, then I went over to Europe for my first year for Belgium. So that was year two. Went from Belgium to Germany. And then after Germany, I went back to Australia and signed a two-year deal at the same spot that I played in my rookie year. So, And the way it set up, the way I played for a couple teams in, in a year was the Australian League goes from October to February for basically six, seven months. So you play that, and then you have, you know, in the European leagues, they play until May. So I was finished in Australia and then signed a a three-, four-month deal in Europe right after that to finish out the summer, you know, make some extra money and and try to get some exposure over there. And I did that two years in a row. So that was a good experience for me, being able to do that and, you know, play one year in Australia or play half the year, then play, you know, almost half the year in Europe. So... Went there, and then I've been, you know, I've been to Poland. I've been to, I'm in Italy now. Um, you know, we've we've been everywhere, so it's been it's been pretty cool. It's been a blessing. So now, are you are you 32? I just yes, sir. I'm 32. Just okay. 32 this summer. T- tell me about the the dream to play in the NBA. Has that come and gone? I think uh, it's come and gone. I don't think the flame is as much there for me. Obviously, it would be a dream still for me, but I don't think it it burns inside me like it once did at one point, just because having a family and having kids has kind of changed me in the fact of I'm just trying to do the best that I can to support them. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's, I feel like I could hurt my fan. You know, if I was to go be like, Oh, well, I could, I could go try a year in the G league right now at 32 and try and get a call up and just say, you know, I did, I did it. Like I played a couple games in the NBA, got a 10 day or something, but, I wouldn't be making barely anything close to what I am here, you know, overseas in Europe. And I'm really just trying to do play as long as I can and try and set my family up the best, best that I can in that time. So truly now is about playing the game and, and trying to financially set my, my kids and my, my family up. So there's a lot of guys over here that choose the European route just because of the taxes and, and all the different things you can make, you know, more, I'm not saying I am, but there's guys over here for sure that make more money here than what they would signing a deal in the NBA. So, uh, so yeah, I was just saying it's a good situ- it's a good situation. You know, they take care of your apartment, they take they give you a car. You know, they 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 take care of everything basically outside of just food and gas is really all you have to worry about. So, outside of that, they they really take care of you. So you're how, in the right spots. How's your Italian? It is. See, <laughs> I'm actually disappointed. I mean, I'm disappointed with how I can understand a lot, but I I haven't put the effort in to try and get fluent with it and try and speak it. I mean, I can, if my coach is, you know, speaking to the Italian players, I can pretty much understand what he's saying. But for whatever reason, I can't, I I don't speak it very well. But my kids are going to the Italian schools and, you know, they're almost starting to learn more than me. So that's kind of cool, I guess, to be able to to see that. Well, have you figured out maybe the, 
you're you've been really in mission work for all these years overseas. Yeah, yeah. yeah my wife and I look at it that way. Um, you know, we we think we feel like every different situation we go into, every different team is going to be different players, is going to be different people, and that's different hearts, you know, to reach and and to make an impact and. and over here, you know, there's a lot of unbelievers. There's a lot of people who are lost. And, you know, whether that's me, you know, just handling myself in the right way. Like, everyone over here knows when I get here um, about my faith. Like, guys know that I'm a Christian. They know I'm a believer. And I think that if they can see the way that my wife and I can, can treat them or, you know, have them over for dinner and pray before meals, just whatever whatever ways we can to try and make an impact and, and lead and be an example, I feel like that could – that's like you said. That's that's the mission work, and we're trying to make that happen the best that we can in every situation. How often do you get back to Oklahoma? I got back to Oklahoma a couple times last summer. I I, I play golf every summer with Keaton, and, and you know try to get back to to Stillwater and go down there and see him and see some friends there. But um, I need to get back to Verdigris. I haven't been back to Verdigris in a, in a long time, so that's my goal this year. I've already told one of the teachers that was my favorite there she's still there so that's my goal this year is to get back there and kind of see to actually take my kids there and take them to see my road <laughs> the road sign and yeah. to see all that would be cool it would be cool yeah so well hopefully my goal this year hopefully that road sign will be up because i know that a bunch of them have been stolen over the years yes yes i've, <laughs> I've heard that <laughs> well listen rotney so thankful for your time man this has been awesome and and what a story, and so thankful that you have been able to, even through those very difficult times when you didn't even know that you would walk again. You held yeah, on to your yeah. faith and gave the glory to God, and I, I just think it's wonderful. And next time you're in Oklahoma, man, you need to stop by the studios here, and we'd love to talk to you live on the air, and would love to buy I you lunch. That. I well, love that. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, too. Like, I love speaking about my faith, and and I haven't honestly haven't had a chance to do that in a little bit. I did a lot last summer on some radio shows, but I I really appreciate you giving me the chance to speak about who I am as a person and, and what God means to me. So that's that's really cool. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this podcast with Rodney Clark. Please take the time to give us a good rating and listen for more interviews like this one at suitup611.com.